Bonjour, this is Fabulously Delicious Summer Series, and I'm your host, Andrew Pryor. Enchanté. Fabulously Delicious is the podcast that brings you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week we dive into a specific topic, a French dish, an ingredient or French cuisine cooking technique, and we learn about it from a special guest who's an expert or lover of that topic. My guests are all about French food. Either they cook it, they produce it, talk, write or photograph it. But above all, they love it. This week is all about French patisserie. And for those who didn't catch it last year in season one, we are going to chat macarons and choux pastry. On the very first episode of Fabulously Delicious, I chatted with Molly Wilkinson and it was so good to find out from a trained pastry chef like Molly all things macaron. So I thought we'd have a listen again to what Molly told us back then. In the second half, we're going to go back to my chat with the amazing author Anne Ma and talk shoe pastry, which is my nemesis in the kitchen, I have to admit. So sit back, grab a glass of wine or a cup of tea, coffee, or if you're listening whilst traveling or on your way to work, then you're in for a fabulous episode of Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Episode one of the summer of 2022. Bon app and enjoy macarons with Molly Wilkinson. Molly Wilkinson, welcome to Fabulously Delicious and thank you for being my first guest. Thanks so much for having me, Andrew. I'm super excited to be here. Oh, I can't wait to dive right into macarons or macaroons or macron. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that leads me to my first question, actually. What's the difference between a macaron, a macaroon and macron? <laughs> okay, so... I will admit, I do say macaroon quite a lot because I'm American. And macaroon, spelled with two O's, are actually the coconut concoction. All right? So it's the pile of coconut, and it's usually dipped in chocolate. They're super delicious. But very different from the French macaron, okay, spelled with one O. Um, that is what is super popular today with the two cookies that sandwich together a really delicious filling. And then macaron is the French president. <laughs> so also very different. And also very handsome. Well, yes. We should say handsome French president. There we go. There we go. There you go. Now, getting back to macarons. Yes. I wanted to ask you, there's actually three different types of meringues. Is that correct? Can you explain the differences in the meringues? Yeah. So you have three, the French, Italian, and the Swiss meringues, and they're all named after countries. Don't ask me why, but <laughs> they all are. <laughs> um, the French meringue is the most simple. So you're just whipping up egg whites and adding granulated sugar to them. Um, until they make a stiff peak, uh, depending on what you're making. The Italian meringue is where you heat up sugar and water to make a sugar syrup, a hot sugar syrup, and you're heating it to a certain temperature and then you pour it into whipped up egg whites. Um, and so that is one of the more stable options. It's what most pastry chefs use for, um, you know, piping on top of a lemon tart, or, um, you know, even baking it. So meringue kisses, things like that, icing a cake, um, and making macaron. Then you have the third version, which is Swiss meringue. 
And it's funny because um, I don't make it a lot. Uh, I think because I find it a little bit more time intensive, if that makes sense, which is so funny. Um, but you put um, your egg whites and your sugar in a mixing bowl. And then you put that over a pot of steaming water and whisk it. A bain-marie. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And you whisk it. A bain-marie, the bane of Marie's existence. <laughs> mm. I know. It's an oldie but a goodie. It's a goodie. <laughs> You're whisking it until the sugar dissolves and the actual temperature of the egg whites, well, the mixture actually increases. Then you whip it up. So I think why I... I don't like that one as much as it is very manual in terms of your, it's very hands-on, you're whisking a lot, you're touching, you know, the sugar and the egg whites, which are sticky and hot. And then, you know, there's water involved and like it's dripping off the pot. I'm really selling it, right? Mm. That's, why, yeah, I know. <laughs> that's why I really like Italian meringue because you just put the sugar and water in a saucepan, put a thermometer in, watch the temperature, and then pour it into your whipped up egg whites. So, and then you just whip it up until the bowl is cool. So, yeah, <laughs> I do like that one a lot better. Now, what would be the biggest misconception about making a, um, a macaron from the uh, point of view of being a professional pastry chef to being a home cook? Yeah, so I think there's a couple. Um, a lot of people think that uh, professionals use French meringue in order to make macaron, but um, I most places use Italian meringue. Um, it's more stable. It's easier to produce great quantities of macaron. Um, so one of my jobs after I graduated was actually working on a macaron station and I made 1500 oh. macaron per day. And um, <laughs> that's what we use. Now I've seen you, I've seen you make them on Instagram and now I know why you get the perfect shaped macaron and I do not because never in my life have I made 1500 macarons in a day. Never in my life will I make 1500 macarons in a day. I don't think. Yeah. Molly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's a lot of piping practice. And so it's really kind of getting the hand motion down and yes, professionals use the Italian meringue version, but most often I teach the French meringue version. So that is actually what is in my cookbook because it's easier. It's more accessible and um, it's just overall, it is, it's easier to understand. I mean, you're just whipping up egg whites and adding sugar. Um, and so there's, there's a little bit more to it. There's a little uh, bit of technique involved um, when you're always making meringue, uh, which I describe in the book. There's a whole section on meringue, actually. <laughs> right, and, yeah, uh, great. Yeah, and specifically for macaron, it, there's the most important thing is following the method and understanding the different hand motions that are involved, each of the steps that you kind of have to follow um, one after the other. And um, if you're following those steps in that method, it, you know, whether you're using the French meringue method or the Italian meringue method for making those, you're going to have good results. So it all goes back to that. One of the most important things about a macaron is the eating of the macaron. <laughs> I have to say. What, yeah. what would you say is the perfect accompaniment to a macaron? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> 
<laughs> a lot of people um, actually like champagne with macaron, but I actually don't. Um, this is going to sound funny, but I really like a, an espresso with it. I think the the difference like the the hot espresso with the macaron, which I'm going to describe the texture because a lot of people don't know it. So I've had a lot of people take my classes and be like, wait, they're chewy. Are they supposed to be chewy? And yes, they're supposed to have a little bit of a crunch on the outside and then be chewy on the center. And um, people have experienced macarons in a lot of different um, textures, right? And that really depends on how long they've been in the case at the shop, um, what the filling is, and how fresh they are. So if you're making them homemade, you get the best results every time, right? You get the best experience, I think, because they're fresh and Honestly, they're so good when you make them homemade. Um, and I love them like that. So I store them in the freezer like most professionals do. Um, so that's another misconception. And I tell people to only keep them in the refrigerator for two to three days because they go stale very, very quickly. Um, so if you've ever had a macaron that was crunchy on the outside and then really, really, really soft on the inside... It's probably because they've been hanging around for a little bit too long, right? Um, and I will eat them frozen, so <laughs> which is also an experience. They're so good. I used to um, have a food tour in Melbourne uh, that was a sweets tour, and we went to a fabulous place called A La Folie, and uh, they've actually closed down now, but they they really did, in my opinion, uh, make the best uh, macarons in Melbourne, um, if not in Australia at the time, and. Um, a little tip that Mercedes, the owner there, gave me was and, and gave the many people that came on the tour. Uh, if you were going home um, and it was interstate, you were flying interstate or even overseas and buying them, uh, was to pop them in the freezer and have them the next day. So, and it re refreshes them. Uh, and uh, yeah, many people used to do that. Many people used to go on the tour, have the macarons, and then go to the store via on their way to the airport to yep. pick up more macarons just before oh, they yeah. left. Good. I live in Montmorillon. This is where uh, I'm based. You're in Versailles. And Montmorillon is known for its Montmorillon macaron. Oh, what's that? Uh, I don't know if you knew that. And, yeah. um, but it's interesting that they're not, it's not a macaron like you described, but it's also not a macaron like a macaroon. It sort of looks, it looks like a macaroon, but it's actually made with almond. So if you took the coconut out of the macaroon uh -huh. and put almond in, uh, that's what it would be like. It's a secret recipe. I, I don't know how it came about or why it's called a macaron, but then in research I found out that uh, there's actually many different types of macarons depending on where you live in France. They call them different things. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest one is the ancien, so the, the old which is in the Bordeaux area. And that is just the shells. So it's what they used to be before they came to Paris in the 1800s. And um, it's, you know, still what you use as your base for your French macaron now. Um, but it's just the cookies and they actually pipe them on parchment paper. Um, in the olden days, they piped them on newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Which is pretty crazy. Hopefully not a fresh newspaper. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know, man. <laughs> I bet you would, like, pick up the 
macaron and then read the daily news on the back. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's just the cookie house. And then in the, I think it was the 1850s, it came to Paris and La Durée decided to put a filling in between um, because the Parisians wanted something fancy. So that's what we're kind of more familiar with nowadays. You're listening to Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. If you're enjoying this episode, then please share it around with your friends, colleagues and family. French food is wonderful, but so is these chats with lovers of French food and can be enjoyed by any foodie, no matter what their preference for cuisine is. So subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review. A five-star one would be great. Merci beaucoup and bon app. Speaking of La Durée, so many people's experience of a macaron in Paris is their wonderful store at the Champs-Élysées. It's an amazing experience to go over there and have the, the champagne with macaron. <laughs> nice. What is your favourite macaron shop in Paris? Pierre Hermé, hands down. He does the best. Uh, so the different flavours are very unique. They're very, very well done. Um, I mean, and they just... They just do a really good job with everything. So um, definitely go for a box of macaron. And then if you want something else, they have a vanilla tart that is made with four different types of vanilla. So that's kind of fun to experience as well. I'm going to Paris tomorrow for the dentist and now I need to get macarons and a vanilla tart. (laughs) And possibly an ultra ultra dentist appointment. (laughs) Oh, what have you just done to me, Molly? They are good. When do the French eat macarons? Uh, I would say probably at tea time um, or. Which is, you mean. Like goûter. Do you mean afternoon tea? Yeah. I would oh, say the goûter. We, oui, afternoon. Yeah, so yeah. goûter for everybody is uh, French for afternoon tea. Mm-hmm. So it's. Right. Okay. So it's at it's around four o'clock when the kids come home from school, but it's just a little something sweet in the afternoon. Um, or they're great for gifting. So just like when, um, you know, people, tourists come in and they buy, you know, a box of La Durée macarons, they're usually bringing them home either for themselves, of course, or as a gift. And um, yes, they are often given as gifts, that's for sure. Um, or uh, for a special celebration. So a birthday, an anniversary, um, something like that. Uh, you'll have, you know, a box of macarons. And they come in all different sizes. So, uh, you know, you can get lots of different flavors in one box. Um, so you can really kind of discover them all. And whoever's at your gathering can pick the flavor that appeals most to them. What's your favorite flavor in a macaron? I love chocolate. So just a simple chocolate ganache. And the reason why is because the the chocolate ganache really balances out the sweetness of the shells. So for me, that's my favorite. Um, almost, I mean, you kind of describe it as a really, really, really fancy brownie in terms of the texture. So that slight chewiness, right, in the center. And um, a lot of richness and... Yeah, that's definitely my favorite. Or salted caramel, for sure. (laughs) Or both. I wouldn't say no to any of those. Now, when you're making a macaron, the flavor is important, but the flavor is not in the shell, is it? No. So when often I think that people see that, they see that the shell is flavored and they think that, oh, sorry, the shell's a different color. And they think that, well, you know, if it's a red color, they put raspberry in it or something along those lines. But no, tell us, how do you get flavor in a macaron? 
Yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, Traditionally, the flavor just comes from the filling. Um, So the shells are kind of the vehicle of bringing the flavor to you, right, with a different kind of texture there. Um, But that doesn't mean that you can't play around with putting flavor in the shells. Um, So oftentimes what I tell people is to change a little bit of the almond flour for a different kind of nut. So like, for example, for pistachio, I would change out 25% of the almond flour with really finely ground pistachios. Um, I've done that with pecans, uh, being from Texas, uh, I love pecans. And so I would do a chocolate pecan version for Thanksgiving. And, um, that's the easiest way to really bring flavor into the shells, but you can start messing around with it more and changing out for like graham crackers for some more option. But with that being said, um, because they are more difficult to do, I always, always, always tell people, Start off with just the basic shell recipe, you know, changing up the colors, however much you want, and then really play around with the fillings. And once you've really got those shells down, because that's the hardest part, then you can start making little tweaks here and there and maybe adding some different flavors in them. Maybe we'll have to get into making an Aussie one with some macadamia nuts or something on those. Fun. (laughs) I love that. When you use powdered coloring or gel, is there anything that's better for a macaron? So if you have powdered food coloring, it's definitely um, what you want to use because meringue does not like liquid, um, but it also doesn't like fat. So if you've ever made a meringue, there's always those warnings like make sure there's no egg yolk in your egg whites, right? So always use fresh egg whites that you're separating, separate them when they're cold and um, make sure you're using a clean bowl, no, you know, no fat in the bowl either. And um, when you're adding that coloring, um, this isn't the time to use a liquid food coloring because oftentimes you're adding so much of it to get that color to stand out that it's adding too much liquid to the meringue and that can cause cracking and all sorts of other problems. Whereas if you use a powder or a gel, gel is fine too, um, then it's a more concentrated color and you're not really messing with that um, really specific, um, you know, kind of formula for the shells there. So powdered food coloring, which can be hard to find, but uh, (laughs) it's worth it, especially if you're really into making macaron. Since being part of MasterChef Australia in 2013, I've been doing food tours and cooking classes with thousands of fabulous people. It's fantastic to be able to show people delicious food and the people that make it. That's why I'm super excited to announce new tours and classes here in France, the first for me since COVID started. 2023 is your chance to come visit me here in Montmorillon and participate in cooking experiences, highlighting the regional produce of my area and some of the wonderful dishes and ingredients discussed on Fabulously Delicious. I'm also doing a small group tour to Lyon in September 23 and then another fabulous Côte d'Azur tour in 2024. So check out my website via the link in the show notes, andrewpryorfabulously.com for more information and register your interest now. I can't wait to cook with you and also in the future to collaborate with some of the wonderful guests on Fabulously Delicious that you will be able to come join me with as well. Stay tuned. Merci and let's get back to more Fabulously Delicious and shoe pastry with Anne Ma. Bon app.
Uh, and thanks for joining me on Fabulously Delicious. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Getting into our topic today, which is shoe pastry. I wanted to chat with you about shoe pastry was particularly because I saw your Instagram and you were making some chouquettes in Hanoi there. And as an Australian, it's often a difficult thing because we have uh, warmer weather. And uh, for me, I do find making pastries in summer very hard. So my question, my first question is, do you have any tips for pastry making in general when you're in a hot climate? That to make pastry in a hot climate, one tip I would I would say is to use a different kind of crust. So, um, for example, there is a kind of crust you can make with melted butter where you press it into the tart pan instead of rolling out the dough. And I feel that with uh, when you add sugar to pastry, it allows it to, to remain more tender. So for a sweet dough, a pâte sucrée, um, I feel is more forgiving. Um, and you can use that press-in method. Well, you wouldn't know it here, but it is summer in France at the moment, um, although I'm wearing a jumper. A bit unusual, but I will give that a try when the weather warms up. Yeah. What is choux pastry? So choux pastry is interesting because I was looking in La Russe Gastronomique today and they the, the thing they said is choux pastry is more of a paste. It is not really a dough, although it's, you know, I suppose we call it a choux dough or choux pastry, but um, it is actually more of a paste and it's made with hot water or sometimes milk or a mixture of the two um, that you bring to a boil. So it's a hot, it is considered a hot water dough. Um, and then you make, you melt butter, it's, but you know, the liquid with the melted butter, and then you add in the flour and mix that over a low heat. And that's actually my number one tip is, is the mixing to, to do it for long enough. Um, I like to set a timer and do it for two minutes over a low heat. Mm -hmm. This is before you add eggs. Yes. To dry out, okay. the, to dry out the dough. To dry out the dough. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is choux pastry French? It is French. It is French. Um, it was uh, perfected by the pastry chef of Carême, Antoine Carême. Okay, um, yep. Yep. And it was, I think, originally a sweet dough, but one of the things I love about choux pastry is that it's so versatile. It can either be sweet or savory. and the other thing I really love about it is that it really can be made with whatever with the with ingredients that you generally have on hand. So it's for me, I like to use water. I think it makes a crisper shell. So water, uh, butter, eggs, flour, that's basically it. And then it's up to you how you want to flavor it. You just mentioned then the chef Antoine um I can't pronounce his last name. How do we pronounce his last Cahem. name? That's it. And can you tell us a little bit about him? He was actually, um, from my understanding, sort of the first celebrity chef, so to speak. That's right. Um, I don't. I did read a biography of him. He he was a celebrity chef. He I think had many celebrity clients and a restaurant in Paris that was very popular. I think he's the one who invented the the tower. I, I'm 
the name of the, the, the tower. The croquembouche? The, the croquembouche, that's right. Yes. So, so common now at weddings. Um, I think he is the one who invented that. Well, I was actually going to ask you about the croquembouche. It is a traditional wedding cake and it is made from um, choux. But, oh, my gosh, to make one, it just seems like you have to make so many choux. I mean, how many choux do I need to make for a choux of croquembouche? I mean, probably up into the hundreds, right? Gosh. Do you think it's worth it or should it just go out and buy one? Are you you a fan? Do you like the croquembouche? Are you a fan of the croquembouche? I like it when it's not got too much sugar all over the the yeah. the sugar cane the whatever they, yeah, they call the it caramel the, um, or the shell. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it when it doesn't have too much of that. Um, one of the things I was very grateful for in my experience on MasterChef is that I didn't actually get to the stage where they might actually make me want to make one, um, <laughs> which was a good thing. Um, yes, but uh, it does. Um, the actual making of them scares me. Uh, but, look, yes, I do love everything that they're about. I mean, it's a shoe pastry with cream inside and then sugar on the outside. I mean, what can go – what can be, you know, better than that, really? Um, but, no. Mm. Um, once I've mastered the art, so to speak, of a shoe pastry, what other delicious desserts or, or pastries can I make apart from a uh, croquembouche? So, I mean, choux pastry is the basis for, you know, the eclair, the cream puff, the profiterole, which is just a shoe bun stuffed with ice cream and chocolate sauce on top. Um, There are the chouquette that you were just talking about, which I really love to make because I feel like they have so much bang for their buck. You know, you have all these simple ingredients and then you just need one special ingredient, which is the pearl sugar, um, which is sort of large crystals of sugar to sprinkle on top. Um, and you, I like to use spoons to form them onto the sheet in little, little balls, the size of cherry tomatoes, let's say. Um, and there they are just sort of dumpy little pasty balls and you pop them in the oven and they just explode. Um, and I find that magical. If you'd like to support the making of Fabulously Delicious, then there are many ways to do this. One of the ways is through Patreon, the link for which is in the show notes for this episode. For as little as the price of a cup of coffee a month, you will receive exclusive content just for you. It's a great way you can support me and the podcast so that I can bring you more fabulous French foodies. I've had the experience, and I don't know if you're going to be able to tell me if uh, what I did wrong or not, but I had that wonderful experience where I just did everything that you said, and um, and then I took them out of the oven, and they just deflated. I think that happened. What did I do wrong? Did you start with a hot oven and then lower the temperature? No, I don't think so. Maybe they weren't cooked enough. So I like to start with a fairly hot oven, like let's say 200 degrees Celsius. And then after about 10 minutes, I like to lower it to about 180 and cook them the remainder of the time. Because I think, well, and also the, the remember the, the tip of cooking your dough, which is before you add the eggs, over the flame for a full two minutes. Because that helps evaporate the, the liquid from the dough. And I think that's a really important step. Yep. Okay. I think that might have been the case. Maybe I didn't do that. And so then I take it off the heat to add the eggs. Yeah. So I, so no, no. So I like to cook it. I, I do set the timer because no matter if I don't set the timer, it seems like forever, but it's only been like 45 seconds. 
Um, yes. So I, <laughs> uh, and then I take it off the heat and I let it rest for another two minutes just to cool it off a little bit. Then I start adding the eggs. Where did you learn how to make a shoe pastry? The way I perfected my shoe pastry is because my la- when my last book came out, which is a novel, it's called The Lost Vintage, and it's a sort of World War II um, dual narrative set in Burgundy, in a vineyard in Burgundy. And one of the things about uh, wine tasting in Burgundy is that Gougere, which are made of shoe pastry, are a savory cheese puff, and they come from Burgundy. They're what traditionally people ate um, to clean to, to cleanse their palate between wines at a wine tasting. So, to celebrate the launch of this novel, I decided to create a recipe for Gougere that you know people could make for their book clubs, or I made them for my book events. Um, and in perfecting this recipe, I made a lot of gougel, <laughs> a lot, and that's really, I think, how I how I perfected my technique. Um, but I think gougel are also they have the same magical quality as uh, chouquette in that there they are, these little blobs of dough, and you pop them in the oven, and you know they just explode, and they're hollow in the center. Um, but they're also very easy to make. So there was a while there where my daughter, um, who was five at the time, we would make gougere whenever she was home from school, sick, or if there was a snow day, we would, that, that became, you know, most people make banana bread or chocolate chip cookies. We would make gougere mainly because while I was practicing, I was trying to develop this recipe, but also, uh, we usually have the ingredients on hand. Do you have a, f- a preferred filling for a, a soup pastry? Well, I actually just like them plain. So there's no filling. Um, a chouquette is just the sweet choux pastry with the, the crystal pearl sugar sprinkled on top. And then a gougere also is hollow and plain. Um, what I really love is the, the crisp texture that gives way to the soft interior. When you go to Paris, what's your favorite place to go to have uh, a choux pastry, whether it's the Chouquette or an Eclair or something like that? Oh, um, hmm. I, I find, well, there are so many, but I do love an Eclair. That, that a, a cho- Eclair au chocolat is my favorite um, treat at the, at the boulangerie. Um, you know, some people like the flan, some people like the chocolate croissant, etc. My my very favorite is the éclair au chocolat. Moi aussi. <laughs> um, and Maison au chocolat, Maison de chocolat, the sort of chain chocolate shop, they have a very nice éclair au chocolat, but what they really have that is great is an éclair au caramel. I don't know if you've tried it there. But it is really, really delicious. I often get um, uh, disappointed because I'm not a big fan of uh, coffee desserts. Mm. And I often think, oh, it's a clear caramel because it's got the sort of, it looks like it's a caramel sort mm-hmm. of top, but it's not the chocolate one. And I buy it and it's a coffee one. Agreed. Oh. I also, I feel the same. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but no, it's good for my French because now I have to actually ask and actually go there. <laughs> and so what's improving my French is the fact that I'm afraid of getting a cafe dessert. To- <laughs> <laughs> 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode of our summer series of Fabulously Delicious, where I bring back some of the amazing guests that we had on season one so that we can talk all about the things that they are experts and lovers of. Next week, we are drinking in the summer sun with an episode totally devoted to French wine. So come, join me, and remember, as I always say, whatever you do, do it fabulously. That's why I listen to Fabulously Delicious. Bon app, everybody. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional book, book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!